I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. On the line with us now is the one and only Trey Wingo. Trey is brought to us today by Caesars Sportsbook. Your first bet is on Caesars. Bet up to $1,250, and if you don't win, you'll get it back as a free bet. Terms and conditions do apply, and you must be 21 or older. You can follow Trey on Twitter at Wingos. You can also subscribe to his newsletter, treywingo.bulletin.com slash subscribe. Go check out his YouTube page, Trey Wingo Presents. He's kind enough to join us here today. Trey, I guess let's start here. Now that we're to what used to be the quarter of the way through the season, although I guess now with the 17-game season, that, that's not really the case. But I think this is the question that I have. How many teams right now do you feel confident we'll be seeing at least on divisional weekend? Uh, that's a great question. By the way, semi-charm kind of life, pretty good, guys. That's still, the way, what we're still all living right now. Still, still bangs. It's a still grade-A banger, no question about it. Um, here's what I can say with great certainty. I feel very confident that the AFC is going through the Bills and the Chiefs. Yeah. I, I just that's, – that's, that's a given. That much I feel – as, as, as strong as I can possibly feel about anything. The rest of it, I'm sort of like, ah, we'll see. Like, I, you know, whenever all these power rankings come out, and I used to sort of make fun of the power rankings when they came out on uh, ESPN. We put them every week on, uh, on NFL Live because, you know, this team beat that team, but that team's higher ranking because, you know, you believe they're going to be down the field, down the end of the season, they're going to be better. But I'm like, well, we're not doing end-of-the-season power rankings. We're doing this week's power rankings, right? So until such time as that other team beats that other team, in this week, right now, this is where we are. So uh, the only thing I can say about the Eagles is it's the last unbeaten team in the NFL. Like, that's, that's what I can say. And they've played great. Um, you know, two weeks ago, the Buffalo Bills looked like world beaters. Then they could easily be 2-2 two and two instead of 3-1 and one, uh, if John Harper decides crazily enough to take points at the end of the game when it's tied it's four minutes left. So... You know, this is a very, very fluctuating situation. The only thing I'm banking on is the two teams that I know that have generational, legendary, great quarterbacks, a great coaching system, and a great team around them. And right now, that to me is the Bills and the Chiefs. How do we square a team like the 49ers? Because on the one hand, I throw out the Chicago game from week one. A, whether B, you know, you're playing with a quarterback that you're not even going to play with for the rest of the season. And on top of that, like... Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's week one, weird things happen. But on the other end of the spectrum, I always try to tell myself, don't buy into what you see the Niners do against the Rams because it's just yeah. Well, I've made the joke on the show that it's Big Bro, Little Bro night, and Big Bro just owns yeah. Little Little Bro. They're never quite as good as they look like last night, 
but at the same time, they're not as bad as you know a team that was capable of losing to the Broncos in the fashion they did and to the Bears. But how, how do we kind of square a team like that? Um, I feel actually, it's funny you say that, because I feel if I had to pick on one team in the NFC that I think I feel fairly confident about, it might be San Francisco. Um, we know who they are with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? We didn't know who they were at all with Trey Lance. Um, this is who they, this is, you're right, seven straight wins for over in the regular season uh, over the Rams, and it's definitely a big brother, little brother thing. I talked about that with Andrew Whitworth. Uh, last time the stuff I'm doing for the 3013. By the way, you should check out the 3013 website. Really, really cool. Lots of great former coaches, players, and NFL executives. But the Niners, this is this is going to be who they are. They're going to win with a suffocating defense. They're going to win with a, a controlled ground game and the occasional big play from Debo Samuel. That's how they got to Super Bowl 54. That's how they almost got to Super Bowl 56 when they had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter of the NFC Championship game. And if Jaquiski Tart catches an arm punt from Matthew Stafford, this whole California dream Hollywood ending doesn't even exist. Yeah. Um, I feel really good that I know the San Francisco 49ers are going to be very competitive and probably in this thing maybe all the way up to the divisional round because this is, this is how they're built. This is who they are. And they're going to lose some games because of Jimmy G, and they're going to win some games because of Jimmy G. He's like a swing state in an election. And more often than not, he swings in your favor, but occasionally he's going to screw it up. Trey, what do you make of uh, Baltimore? Here on this show, we <clears throat> we shook off the Miami Dolphins collapse. That that just felt kind of a bad. Qu- it felt like yeah. a bad quarter more than more fluky than anything else. Not, not necessarily fluky. They they didn't make plays and they had terrible busts. But at the same time, it's like if Lamar got <clears throat> two more feet on a fourth and one, they win the game. Now this coll- yeah. this this. Losing this lead was a little more methodical, yes, a little less well learned. Yeah, um, what, what do you make of the Ravens? Because at times they've looked like a team that maybe could challenge Kansas City or Buffalo in the AFC, but they've also now, you know, lost two games in in pretty frustrating fashion. Well, let, let's take big picture first, right? We've already had four teams in this season through four weeks of the season overcome a seventeen point or more deficit to either win or tie the game. Two of those games came against the Baltimore Ravens. Like that, that's the best way I can describe them. Four times this season, you know, that the, the Colts came back from down big to the Texans. Uh, I can't remember who the other one oh, was. Um, it was just a couple of weeks ago. I can't uh, I'm missing off the top of my head. And the other two times were the Dolphins against the Ravens. Oh, it was the Jets against the Browns. The Dolphins against the Ravens. And the uh, and the uh, Bills against the Ravens. So what we've learned through four weeks is they can't close. Okay, they need Mariano Rivera. And yes, the uh, in the first game against the Dolphins, it was a bad quarter, and their 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 pass defense was terrible. This to me was a was an institutional failure on Sunday. First of all, you're up 23 at home. Win the damn game. Win the damn game. You're up 23 at home. 23. All right. Secondly, you tied now. And you get down to first and goal, I think it was from the one of the two-yard line with about four and a half minutes to play. Incomplete pass on first down. Second down, J.K. Dobbins gets jacked up in the backfield. You lose three yards. So now I don't care how much you want to score the touchdown. You need to secure points. You need to do whatever it is to take a lead late in that game and make the other team find a way to beat you. So – when the incomplete pass goes on third and four, you have to t- you have to kick the field goal. I don't care how much you want 
to score the touchdown. And I don't care that the play was actually there to be made. Dev, Lamar didn't see Devin DuVernay when he was wide-ass open on the right side of the end zone. You have to secure points. What they did was a triple dip of disaster. They don't kick the field goal. They go for the touchdown. They don't get the touchdown. And then because it's a turnover in the end zone, instead of having the defense backed up, the offense backed up to the two or three yard line, they get all the way out to the 20 yard line. It was a triple dip of really bad decision making. And I was really curious about John Harbaugh's discussions after the game, the post game press conference, where he said, Well, you know, we wanted to do this, we feel like it, and I wanted to trust my defense. Bro, if you trust your defense, you know what you do? You take the lead and give your defense a chance to make them earn a touchdown to beat you, not a field goal to beat you. And then he said something else that didn't make any sense at all. He said, Well, we knew when, you know, if we gave the ball back to him, it was going to be four down territory. Yes, it's four down territory, whether or not you kick a field goal or score a touchdown, because it's probably going to be their last possession of the game. So they're not going to give it back to you. None of that made any sense. I respect the hell out of John Harbaugh. I think he's a great coach. They messed it up. It's plain and simple. They messed it up. Yeah, I think the other thing that was a little disheartening about it is when you consider how the Bengals stumbled out of the gate for obvious reasons with, with Burrow having the appendectomy, they had to have the unfortunate reality of playing the Steelers with T.J. Watt, who was just absolutely a wrecking crew. They they lose their deep snapper in the game, like, and and then on top of that, week two they they play the Cowboys and they just make them look very very poor because the Cowboys have a legit defense. Is there something to the fact that the Ravens are now tied with the Bengals? In like in my mind, they should be ahead of them, and to me, like that would be the bigger concern. Well, I mean, look, it's it's a slow season, right? And it's a long season. The Ravens got up to a great start last year. I think they were three and zero or three and one, and you know they won a bunch of games late week two. Uh, you know that was hey Lamar, you want to go for it? Speech against the Chiefs, and yeah. then they need the sixty-seven yarder against the Lions to beat them on the last play with Justin Tucker. They were they looked great out of the gate, and the injuries piled up, and you know Lamar got hurt, and the Bengals beat them, the Bengals beat them up twice last year. I mean, it was the biggest one-sided rivalry. I think we've ever seen on, on the, in those two games. Um, so, you know, there, there were all kinds of things that sort of fell apart for them. Uh, and injuries were a big part of that. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you are heading into week five. It matters where you are after week seven, week 18, game 17. You know, famously, one of my famous moments, at, uh, one of my proudest moments of doing NFL Live all those years was, a week four matchup in 2014 between the Chiefs and the Patriots at Arrowhead, and the Chiefs destroyed them. I think it was 41 to 14, worst loss in the Belichick Brady era in New England. And everybody, and I mean everybody, the Patriots are two and two. They're done. This is terrible. I actually had somebody who I really respect said Tom Brady looked like uh, Joe Namath with the Rams out there. Like yeah. this is, it's all falling apart. And the next day on NFL Live, we were like. Let's just pump the brakes here. It's the Patriots, okay? They'll figure some stuff out. I'm not judging them in October. Oh, funny, they won the Super Bowl that year. Then two years later, they won another Super Bowl. Then two years after that, they won another Super Bowl. And in between, they went to another Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, we can have all these proclamations in September and early October, but they don't mean dip because you still have to play the rest of the season. Does Tom Brady look like Joe Namath with the Rams now? He did until the, the fourth quarter against the uh, against the uh, against the Chiefs, but that but that game was over. Like, yeah, just just so people understand what you saw uh, Sunday night going into that game, 
the Bucks had given up a grand total of 27 points in three games. They'd given up 27 points in three games. The Chiefs put 28 on them in the first half. When the Chiefs are right, nobody is beating them. Nobody is beating them. They gave away that game to the Colts. They begged the Colts to take that game with missed kicks and drop touchdown passes from Travis Kelsey, a questionable fake field goal, yeah. four points missed in the kicking game, and then the inexplicable remark that Chris Jones must have said to allow that drive to continue after he was, uh, Matt Ryan was stacked on third and eight. I mean, you couldn't have gift-wrapped a game more to somebody else. The only team that's going to beat the Chiefs maybe is Buffalo, but more likely it's the Chiefs. And then in the AFC South, because the Colts have gotten off to this slow start, it's this weird reality of I kind of like what Jack like what Jacksonville's doing. Like I know Trevor yeah. turned it over on on Sunday four times with fumbles, and then he had the bad pick. But it, there is an element of like, okay, that game was played in a monsoon. Like let's not act like yeah. that's that's him. But are we reaching the inevitable of the Titans were still probably the best team coming into the year, and now they're sitting here, and despite a slow start, they're sitting here at 2-2, two and two, the Jags are 2-2, two and two, and it's still the Titans' division to lose? Well, here's what I would say to that. First of all, right now in Caesar's Sportsbook, the Titans, who were the number one seed last year, and the Jags, who had the number one pick in the draft this past season, which meant they were terrible, right now have the same odds to win the AFC and win the Super Bowl, 25-1 to 1 to 50-1. to 1. There's a lot of things to be optimistic about in Jacksonville, but it's going to be a learning curve. Hey, it's crazy. It's like you have an actual NFL coach yeah. as your head coach instead of someone pretending to be you know, Tommy Tough Guy out there and bullying people like you did in college. You might actually develop players. Crazy! The other part of this, though, for Tennessee, if we're being honest about it, guys, they need to get that offense going. Okay, they are not running the ball they, they need, the way they need to run it. Their running attack is nowhere near where it should be right now. Derrick Henry had his first 100-yard game. But the other part of it, that defense, especially without Landry, they're going to struggle. Tennessee is 30th in giving up yards per play, 6.3. But the good news is they play the commanders this week, who are dead last in yards per play <laughs> at 4.6. So what I'm saying is we talk a lot about strength versus strength matchups. This is kind of weakness versus weakness uh, in this game Sunday, and we're going to see which unit is weaker. All right, Trey, let's wrap up with the Cowboys. Um, we, yeah. Everyone was a little too quick to, to bury them. I'm curious, is this quarterback thing going to get awkward, or is it going to sort of – It's already awkward. Yeah? It's already awkward. Okay, uh, here's why it's already awkward. And I actually talked about this. You can go find out something we posted on the 33rd team about this on my, on my Twitter account. I said a week ago – Cooper Rush is going to dictate how healthy Dak's hand is, okay? And Dak said Sunday, told Aaron Andrews on Fox, yeah, I'm targeting next week for the Rams to return. Well, what did Jerry Jones say this morning on his radio show? He's like, we just don't think Dak's hand is healthy enough. He's having trouble gripping the ball. Having trouble gripping the ball. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Hate when that happens. So so Cooper Rush being 3-0 is dictating the health of Dak's hand. If it's not broke, you are not fixing it. CeeDee Lamb's numbers with Cooper Rush right now, are significantly better through his four starts in his career than they are at any point with the, the receiving yards he gets from Dak Prescott. It's working right now. Look, the, the moment Cooper Rush lays an egg, they're going back to Dak. But until he lays such an egg, Dak's hand is not going to be healthy. I mean, it, Cooper Rush's success is dictating the health of Dak's hand. That's just the way it is. Yeah, that's so Mark's a commander's guy, and I'm a Giants guy, and we both realize, like, it's kind of a depressing spot yeah. when you realize Cooper Rush has not only outplayed your quarterback, but significantly outplayed your quarterback. Yeah. Like, 
I was his, sitting there going, I'd much rather yeah, have Cooper I mean, Rush than Carson Wentz. And I found myself yeah. like having a soft spot for Daniel Jones because I know like this is it. Like you know, I mean, it's like your yeah. your it's your, it's your college girlfriend your senior year. Like and you know it's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's like you know you, you see the you see the good in him, but when Cooper Rush was like significantly outplaying your guy, it's like. Maybe, maybe they do have an awkward situation because I, I guess well, it's entirely possible the Rams could could expose him. But like, I, I don't know, man. Uh, let me put it this way: go back to that Giants Cowboys game on Monday night. It wasn't the undrafted Cooper Rush; it was the first round pick of 2019 and Daniel Jones. That's Jones that made the critical game ending mistake throwing to Trevon Diggs, who, by the way, was on your fourth receiver. That's a gift for the offense. If Trevon Diggs is covering your fourth receiver, here's a hint. Go somewhere else. But they didn't. And uh, the Giants, with all due respect, may be the worst 3-1 team in the history of football, my call. No no disrespect. Like, I I even said this. I was like, they're 3-1, and one, and I don't even enjoy watching them play. Like, it, it beats I mean, the alternative, yeah. but like, I do not enjoy watching them play. Here's where 3-1 is not always the same. The Chiefs are 3-1. The Giants are 3-1. Where are you leaning? The, well, the one encouraging aspect of 3-1 and one is – I do feel like for the first time in a very long time, the three and one is directly reflective of I think we have a good coach. I agree with that. I agree with that. But you know, they, they need to figure out the offense thing. It's still an unmitigated yeah. disaster outside of Saquon. Saquon's been great and it's it's so much fun to see him back healthy, but you have to develop a like I joked before that game Sunday, neither the Bears nor the, the Giants should throw a forward pass. Yes. And they proved me wrong. They they ran for 411 yards combined and threw for, I think, 220. So there it is. Well, I mean, to your point, we did not throw a forward pass in the fourth quarter. We literally had our quarterback on the field just to signal in the play. Is that bad? I'm not sure. Not great. Not great. Trey, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You got it, guys. Anytime. That was the one and only Trey Wingo. Trey is brought to us today by Caesars Sportsbook. Your first bet is on Caesars. You can bet up to $1,250, and if you don't win, you'll get it back as a free bet. Terms and conditions apply, and you must be 21 over or 21 or older. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.